0: Mountains, we all face them. Basecamp Live will equip you to conquer the biggest mountains when raising the next generation. Each week, you'll hear from culture watchers, thought leaders, and storytellers who know the tools you'll need to summit the peak and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. Welcome to Basecamp Live, and now your host, Davies Owens. I'm so excited to be in the studio today with Mr. Bruce Flanagan. Bruce is uh, becoming a quickly a great friend. We've just gotten to know each other. You've only been in the United States three days. Flew in from Vietnam. Welcome to Basecamp Live. Yeah,
1: thank you very much. Great to be here.
0: So obviously, that's not a Vietnamese accent. So you you sound like you might even be from Australia. Australia. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's wonderful to have you here. What's your impression of being in the United States for three days now?
1: Well, I'm in Boise, Idaho. I don't know if that's idyllic of the typical USA, but it's amazing. It's like heaven. <laughs> you know, just snow on the mountains, green grass, It's uh, and the best food. <laughs> well, so it's it's awesome.
0: We are so glad to have you here. You have a fascinating story, and in our short period of time, I wish we could delve into all aspects of it. But maybe just jump in a little bit of your background, and then we'll kind of get to some of the... Perspectives. One of the things I've so enjoyed uh, in talking with you, Bruce, is it's. I think we often become, um, you know, trapped, if you will, in kind of our own familiar surroundings. And to have someone who's literally looking at everything with fresh eyes. You're, it's three days in. You're seeing everything kind of <laughs> with new eyes. Talk a little bit about your background. You grew up in Australia. You were telling me you grew up um, in a cabinet maker shop. That sounds like somewhere Jesus would show up working. <laughs> working. So, what were you doing? What yeah, I there? left
1: school. Uh, I wanted to go to university. My parents said no one in our family has been to university, so I I did a trade, which was great. But uh, in the when I was uh, working in the cabinet as a cabinet maker, I met Vietnamese were all the laborers there, and they actually had two lunchrooms, one for the white Australians and one for the Vietnamese because the Australians didn't like the smell of their food but uh, I loved it and I they were just amazing and God had already put something in my heart for Vietnamese so it was uh, affirmed I guess in that experience.
0: Yeah and then that led to actually moving to Vietnam visiting and then moving there. That's
1: right yeah visiting in uh, 1989 when Vietnam was just completely different and then eventually moving there in 1991.
0: And what were you doing there?
1: Yeah, so we went there uh, as missionaries, but um, doing humanitarian projects as a means of being there while we worked with church planters, Mm. um, which was super challenging in the sense that to be a Christian or to do religious work was uh, illegal, and people were being persecuted severely all the time.
0: And and so, yes, and so, again, um, from our very... um uh, our perspective, thats we hear it in the news. We've never seen it firsthand. You've lived this. So you, there was a time in particular you'd been there, what, six, seven years, and, uh, and you ended up in prison. Yeah. What
1: happened? Yeah, I was a bad boy. Um, <laughs> so we were tra- doing some training of pastors, and uh, the police uh, came and raided it. And uh, I was under house arrest and then uh, uh, jail for a time um but uh, yeah one of the guys one of the church planners there was was actually beaten to death wow. as a result of that so yeah life life was tough for those who were who were, became christians you know you don't just become a believer because life's going to be good you it's authentic why why get persecuted if it's not real yeah mm.
0: and pretty pretty intense time um i i, I Again, I think it was it Madeleine Albright that actually called. I mean, it was kind of yeah. in the news. This was a big deal. That yeah, you guys that's were right. In prison. So, I mean, yeah.
1: I was um, <laughs> I'm Australian, so I get yeah. a phone call. please hold for Mad, um, Madam Secretary, and I'm like, what's a Madam Secretary? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and, and all of that worked out. So, so fast forward in the story, you did get out. You go back to Australia for a stint. Yeah. Um, kind of just catch us up with kind of what, because these are very interesting formative moments in your life that lead to the decision that you started a school a year ago, and we're going to get right, into that. Sure. Talk a little bit about, so you're back in Australia. you've, you've Yeah, just released, back in yeah. Australia
1: for a short time, and then um, back to Asia, finishing a uh, master's degree, um, did a thesis on Vietnamese in northeast Thailand, and then moved to Cambodia for a few years, where we um, planted three Vietnamese churches and started a small school amongst a slum area in Cambodia. Wow, so yeah. Yeah, that was but uh, this continued a theme exciting of, time. A, a
0: continued theme of how do how do you support, encourage these Vietnamese people? I mean, this yeah, is kind of a absolutely. life theme. Like they, they, sure. they've been on your heart. You keep going back there. So um, you're back, and you ended up back in in Vietnam.
1: Yeah, eventually got back into Vietnam, which was, um, I mean, really a miracle. Uh, God opened uh, uh, an official's heart, and he he uh, enabled that to happen. At great risk to himself.
0: And so this is kind of second time back into Vietnam. You came in originally as a humanitarian church planner, second time, in, you're coming kind of as a businessman, right? You've yeah, come, I'd done quite a ma- bit of
1: training yeah. around um, executive leadership development, and um, that was one of the needs I saw when I was there before. You know, Vietnamese are really spirited people, and so um, leadership development, and that ended up with me being hired by one of my clients to actually run their company for them,
0: and of course, again in, in God's providence. So now you're you're a businessman in Vietnam. You've got connections because of that with what prime ministers and others. You were sort of entered into some of the more important.
1: Yeah, well, it certainly put me amongst the elite, and that I felt that was something that God had led me to in the sense that the church was not able to really reach those people. There wasn't many business people in the church at that time, and certainly not government officials. And so I, I met quite a few um, yeah. very senior people.
0: And, and this is, um, again, and for those of us who are not familiar with the environment of Vietnam, obviously you ended up in prison before. It's unbelievable they actually let you back in. Yeah. There's this business relationship, and now—
1: one of the prime minister's uh, bodyguards asked me, um, we looked at your history, and how come <laughs> you've got the highest clearance you can stand next to the prime minister? And I said, well, you tell me.
0: I just find that fascinating. You went from literally in a jail cell yeah. in Hanoi prison to sitting next to the prime minister. Yeah. But God's story for you is not over yet. So then you leave and go back again. I mean, you're back, um, well, I'm telling your story, but you have this... this How do I reach the Vietnamese people? And ultimately, you end up with education becoming central to your life, vision, and passion. So from church planner, humanitarian, to businessman, to educator, how did did the education piece come in for you? What was that about? Yeah,
1: I've always been passionate about um, education in that sense and developing people. But uh, the the business opportunity um, came to an end, and at the d- around that time we adopted two Vietnamese boys and then so they needed uh schooling and we tried homeschooling and uh due to different things and and but as a pro- part of that process just the the heart to that Vietnamese Christians especially n- cr- Vietnamese Christians needed a Christian education that wasn't available
0: yeah and you in particular again for us in the US most of our listeners are, we're we're thinking in terms of a public school choice or a private school. I mean, education in Vietnam and probably in most of Asia, on the one hand, I think we as Americans kind of venerate the math-science component. We think Mm. that's amazing. Sure,
1: they're awesome at maths.
0: Right. But beyond that, what's it really like there? I mean, part of your decision to go to homeschooling to find an alternative was there was something not healthy about it and not just that they weren't Christ followers. I mean, there was something pretty... Sure.
1: Well, we talk about truth and beauty and... and, um, the intellect and so on but there within the schools everything is false everything is um well you have to pay to pass exams or you need to pay the teacher to get extra tuition so that you would be able to pass uh, people f- are just it's not supportive it's it's uh, very aggressive against each other the the fighting fighting to to win the top prize. Yeah. And uh, so just generally, education is is uh, just the opposite of goodness, beauty, and truth.
0: And so in, in a sequence of timing, we, again, we were talking about the late 80s and 90s, and then fast forward, you, you adopted these kids five years ago.
1: Yeah, just over five years so these ago.
0: So st- this concern you have is a contemporary concern in Asia and Vietnam in particular, mm. that these are just, uh, you, I think we, we talked about there's a, what the seven was it the statistics, Seven percent um, of those in the university today say what? What's the yeah? P- they did
1: a a um, survey of university students. One of the questions was how important is honesty, and seven percent said that honesty was of some importance. Wow. So that just gives you an indication of some importance. Of some importance. And this
0: was a survey of universities where?
1: All university students in Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh City.
0: Okay, specifically within Vietnam, 7%. Wow. So needless to say, the backdrop there is pretty stark. And and today, still, Christians are being persecuted. There seems to be a lot... There's
1: a lot more openness now, mainly because they're focused on money and less on that, but definitely still people are in, especially in rural areas or mountainous areas. There's still definite persecution.
0: You mentioned what in the last few years was that you said was it fifty? Yeah, there was, 50, or was it?
1: 50 people who were protesting the the challenges they were having Christians and and were were all shot down.
0: Wow, wow, yeah,
1: pretty significant.
0: So I think it's just uh, part of your story again is is this journey into what? Are, what is God calling me to do with my life? Part of it is we, our lives are short. How do we make a difference? You care deeply about the Vietnamese people. You cared for them in a humanitarian way, planning churches, businessman. And now there's this sort of just this awareness that it's a completely broken system that's actually sh- forming and shaping what these people think. So, I mean, I guess you sort of reverse engineered here's a group of people, 7%. Even think truth has any value. Mm. There's a core problem here, and the problem is young people.
1: Yes, indeed. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm 50 this year, and uh, so yeah. What What am I going to do in Vietnam that's going to have the most significance? And uh, I think the formation of young Christians' hearts and minds is is probably the most significant thing. And th- and that that was just very compelling to start a school. The need is just so great for for their intellect to be stimulated, but with within the context that Jesus Christ is Lord and King of this universe, and, and that affects everything that we do.
0: So you're in your own journey into education, I think a lot of us grew up in um, very different environment you grew up in, but where church was pri- the primary place that our, our values our faith was formed and today it the landscape's very different and even with schools that are Christian schools quote 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 Christian schools it's something different what you're what you are pursuing is something different than just a generic school that's Christian there is yeah a, it's a not math and
1: english and science with prayer tucked on the end it's it's uh, at the core is we're developing lives of th- that love truth that love beauty that love God and want to serve their neighbor.
0: Yeah. So today, so you're, I mean, uh, by way of introduction here, this far into it, because I wanted to just kind of get your story laid out, but you are the chairman and founding director. Uh, you're calling it the Veritas Learning Center in Ho Chi Minh. So it's the very first, this is interesting, accredited classical Christian school in the entire country yeah. of Vietnam. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Quite indeed. a claim to fame. Yeah. <laughs> but again, I've, I'm curious, of all the different methodologies you could have picked, you, you literally had... The doors are in front of you. No one was expecting you to do anything. You said, I really think there's something unique about a classical Christian education, and there were some readings that you were doing, discoveries you were making. Why, again, was this the right path for you with the school?
1: Yeah, again, I think it's partly because uh, it the the classical Christian model is trying to form the whole person. So it's it's educating their intellect, in a way that also stimulates their emotions towards the love of God, the love of beauty, the love of truth, the love of virtue. So creating virtue in the heart. Um.
0: And I think, Bruce, as we're talking, kind of my aha in our discussion as a, a good American talking with a Australian now in Vietnam is that you have a very – it's very – Stark, the environment you're in to be a Christian. No one is just being a Christian for social status in yeah. Vietnam. <laughs> you can get yourself killed for that. No one is, there's no pretense. I think America, we still have a little bit of we're kind of living in nostalgia. Oz talks about kind of the cut flower culture where there were maybe days, there were days where we were a bit more as a culture rooted in this at least an assumption that there's truth, whether they define it as God's truth or not, and today we've moved into this moment in time where we have these sort of vestiges of virtue and character, and we would tip our hat, so to speak, at Christian things, but in Vietnam, there's none of that. There's You can get killed for it. There's no value in it, mm. and yet we've got a generation today that I think is in a pretty vulnerable spot, um, and the solution is, is, as you're saying in Vietnam, is to raise a generation up that actually knows how to define truth. And so I it's really a survival strategy. I think sometimes our parents hear this, mm-hmm. and it's like a nice, polite thing to do. Let's teach virtue to our children. Well, wouldn't that be sweet? Th- no, no, like gloves are off. Like this is survival yeah, of absolutely. a culture. Why is why do you see it in such a stark urgency?
1: Because um, I guess in Vietnam, it, corruption, but not just, cor- not just money and outward corruption, is just... Part of the lifestyle, and like I was saying, just no truth. It's, it's dog eat dog, and so to develop uh, the heart and the mind in, a, in equally under the in the presence of God um, is the only way forward. We're not pre- that. That's what they need. They need that development of the heart and mind together.
0: Because without it, you were talking about an eighth grader earlier that was. I mean st- sort of starting to listen, but this was it's like you're standing under this waterfall of culture in Vietnam that's just pounding down and you're trying so hard just to save this one kid to say, look, there is truth. there's something different in the way.
1: Yeah, sure. He was um, we were, I was going through a catechism with him and and I asked him straight do you be- do you believe this? Is this true for you?" and And he kind of said, yeah, it's true, but I haven't seen any real evidence of it. And um, so I think that's where education in a Christian context is is vital. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise he'll be lost. Mm-hmm. His parents probably came to Christ in in under severe persecution, and now they've done well in life relatively, and uh, so they want him to be educated. But unless we get his mind and his heart and develop that he'll be he he would be lost the ne- the first generation would be lost
0: right so it's really a, it's it's surviving it's not just a, it's not just i think sometimes we think education is really a means to an end it's let's learn this information prep for a test get into a good college it's just sort of a it's a vocational agenda right and what i'm hearing is that's fine you can get a job but <laughs> Your heart is on the line.
1: Yeah, sure, but without being critical, I mean, I believe the same is true here. Maybe we're just not aware You've only been of here three it. Three days. How can <laughs> you form this
0: opinion? <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> I watch uh, videos. <laughs> we were, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. You were saying, we, we, America. If anything, we, we, we don't necessarily export the finest uh, teachings and worldviews through our video and our media and everything else. So, yeah, sure. The world is aware of us. No, go ahead with that. I'm curious what you what do you see. You think we're not as far away as maybe we think we are from the, the uh, harshness? of I Vietnam. think
1: sometimes we, uh, you maybe think that that America is a Christian country, and if we just get the right president or someone in place, then things will return. But I think that era is gone. That ship has sailed. That we need to create communities and educate our children in a way that that they know that God is real. He's alive. He's amazing. He's perfect in every way. Um, so when we study arithmetic, we're studying God's logic. When we're studying science, we're studying the um, uh, what he created and how he created. When we study philosophy, we're studying why did God create the world? What's the, the purpose. Mm. And so um, I think that's vital for, for Christians anywhere. It just seems so clear in Vietnam because no one's going to pat you on the back for being a Christian or a cultural Christian because y- you'll get the opposite. Whereas in uh, America, I think people have thought that they're in that place, but in reality, we're not. And we need that the heart of classical Christian education for, for every Christian heart. Yeah,
0: that's really well said. I, and I guess the, what I hear you saying, which is very convicting, is that we, we have become maybe comfortably numb to our polite consumeristic world in which we live because no one's chasing after us, at least for now, with you know, machine guns because we're a believer. But the threat for our heart and mind is equally severe. I mean, the, the risk for kids today to abandon their faith, to abandon who they are, because it's never been grounded, it's just as toxic here as it is in Vietnam. Even though it looks sure. a lot better here, maybe.
1: Yeah, but uh, I guess right now the kids in Vietnam, um, supermarkets and and electronic stores are all opening. It's they all want yeah. an iPhone. They have iPhones. They spend half you know half their parents' money on iPhones, and that's important. And uh, and. And so they need that cultural formation where they can know that God is so much more interesting than just what I can consume and, and uh, get, hmm. f- fill up my house with useless things. So we're
0: not all that different. So our, we Potentially. We made different food, but our passions seem very similar. Yeah. <laughs> so you were, again, you were all of your three days here, you had an opportunity just this week to get into some of the classrooms here. Um, and you were in a 12th grade classroom. Tell me about that experience. What was that like with Mr. Velasco? Oh,
1: man, I just wanted to cry because, um, I, I mean, you see these year 12 students who are able to evaluate worldviews from a, from a book and able to um, articulate clearly what are the motivations behind the themes and what are the themes in the book and how do they um, compare to what the Word of God says. Um, it's just that that to me is just amazing and wonderful, and and I guess even sets a vision for for me in in as a, we develop the school that that's what I want. I want my twelfth grader to to graduate with a, a a sharp intellect that can evaluate worldview and evaluate um, beliefs and and compare it to the Word of God and, and make a informed decision. Yeah.
0: They were what, studying Brave New World in there? Yeah, that's right, Huxley. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so.
0: it's, it's scary how true that book seems at times, yes. So I, I'm curious, just kind of time, I don't have a ton of time, but I, I, if you could uh, get in front of a group of parents, maybe you'll have that time while you're here. What would you say to these American parents, just with the perspective you have of Australia and Vietnam? and
1: Really... Um, you don't know what you have. This is just as far as education. This is heaven on earth, and I don't say that to pat anyone on the back. It's what I want for my school um, to to develop. You know, that through the grammar stage, the elementary school, to to cultivate that love of reading, love of learning, and and how to learn, so that when they graduate, they they're fully fully develop minds and hearts that are going out to serve their neighbor, to love God and serve their neighbor.
0: Yeah. Which is, again, is such a beautiful vision. We have it here. And I just think it's super encouraging to us to think here's a guy laboring on the other side of the world with a passion for these Vietnamese people and he, all of these various things we can do to serve them. But you said if there's anything that's going to stick and last, I want it to be. I want to change their heart and mind mm. to, pr- to love truth, goodness, and beauty. To live for something greater than themselves, that's going to give them the stick to it, the adaptability to survive. I mean,
1: mm. I mean, yeah. I, if you go to a um, a, a secular college, the, I'm sure those guys I saw yesterday, guys and girls, will, will be able to say, "What are you talking about?" That's that that's not valuable. That's yeah. a waste of time. You know, they they won't be backing away from the what people think is so important and valuable. Um, they will know from the heart and the mind why they're not going to travel that road with with those students. And
0: the, again, the similarity of our countries. You you were talking about the in the communist regime. You, what was your analogy? You were talking about how they say that glass of wine is red, and everyone looks at it and says. No, that's not red wine, that's white wine. But they're forced into this sort of indoctrinated agenda.
1: The whole society is, I mean, the government is socialist, but they're not socialist at all. They, they don't look after the poor and the, um, the working class at all. So everything is false. And so to, to help students to see the truth... Mm. And to not pursue that, or not be jaded by that, but to envelop themselves with truth and beauty and the love of God is is right. which vital. Isn't,
0: which isn't a moralism; it's a better way of living. Oh, That's the absolutely. Vision. This is what we want our children to be: passionate about things that are truly of God, not because they're marginalized. Sweet Christians over in the corner, because they're living life with vigor and passion and excitement, and I think that's going to be such a stark contrast for those in Vietnam or America to the world. Yeah, you the
1: said before um, survival, but it's it's even more than that. It's it's when you can study God's creation and His purposes and relate it to in an intellectual way to to everything you do. That that's living. When when people can really be amazed at what God created and how everything works, you know, from science to mathematics to right. to astronomy to everything,
0: it's all God's. It's, it's exciting. Well, I am so excited to meet you. This is, I think, we're going to be back together again at, at points. I know we're looking at some of our teachers going over to your school and just
1: we do a podcast in Ho Chi Minh City. That sounds
0: great. Yeah, that, that would be fun. I'd love to take you up on that and hear more about what's happening there. I, I just think there are amazing stories. Um, yet to be told of what God's going to continue to do with your faithful work there. So thanks for being on uh, Basecamp Live today, Bruce. I look forward to talking with you again.
1: Yeah, thank you very much.